This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast with Kyle Armstrong. This week, we're going to talk to Colbert Georgia's Kenny Collins and get his thoughts on his uh, racing program and his graphics business and everything he's got going on down there in Georgia and, and beyond. So it's going to be interesting to, to uh, call him up on Andy's Tow and Hotline and get a get a word with him here in a minute. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the weekend I had. I went to uh, Carolina Speedway on Friday for the annual Shrine 100. It was a pretty good little show there. Uh, Ross Bales uh, picked up the win there eked it out over over brett ham there in the last corner of the last lap so heck of a show a lot of people jumping up and down excited and some weren't as excited as others and it was just uh it was kind of wild so uh so that was friday night and then you know saw a lot of good people there too you know got to got to go through the pits and visit with a lot of people and man everybody is uh you know listening to this podcast and telling us telling us we're doing a good job so i guess we'll keep on doing it so appreciate y'all listening and if you you know you like it just keep telling your friends and promoting it and sharing what you see on social media and all that stuff it goes a long way more than you know so that was neat and then saturday morning me and james honeycutt got up really early and uh, we teamed up and drove to florence kentucky for the north south 100 and got there just in time for the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Well, a little a little bit late, but got there in time. Uh, the Knowles family, you know, we had Wade Knowles on last week, and Wade got in the Hall of Fame. Well, Jake had reached out to me and said, "Man, we've got a spot at our table for you here if you can if you can get here." So, man, I, we kind of mashed the pedal down a little bit more. James did, and we got there in time, and I got to get in there and see that. Man, it was a really Really neat deal. Uh, uh, pretty humbled to, to get to be in the room with all those guys. You know, it was kind of a close to the public deal, and we were lucky enough to get invited to go. And I got to hear some great speeches by uh, Gerald Newton, um, you know, Arizona Sports Shirts, got a race.com. Uh, you know, got inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's like the president of the Hall of Fame, too, but he's, he's definitely earned his right to get in there and got to hear Clint Cat Daddy Smith do his speech and. Uh, Daryl Lanigan, Wade Knowles, and uh, Aldi Swartz, and and the rest of them, and it was uh, it was a really neat deal. Uh, a lot of emotion from those some of those guys, and it was uh, yeah, it was neat to hear hear them uh, tell their stories and and be inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's a really neat deal, and I hope to be lucky enough to get invited to go back and uh, and be there for next year's too. So. And then, so all that went on during the day, and and I'm telling you, the race was just a bonus because I got to see so many people up there that that I hadn't seen in a while, and got to visit with so many people, and it was just a lot of fun uh, getting to talk to a lot of people. A lot of people up there also listened to the podcast, and and it was great to hear their feedback, and uh, a lot of people like it, so you know we appreciate it. I had some of my hats this weekend, uh, sold quite a few of those at both Carolina and Florence, so it was. You know, that's good. That's what supports it. That's what keeps the gas in the tank and keeps us going and covering these races and talking about it every week. So, so keep supporting us if you can. We uh, definitely appreciate it for sure. And uh, and of course, the North South One Hundred. You know, it was a uh, was a heck of a good race. Uh, Brandon Overton jumped out to the lead on about lap twenty two there and and never looked back. And and he was just rolling that thing right around the middle to the bottom of the track and. He never really was challenged for the lead. Josh Rice was trying to run the cushion there in the middle of the race, and 
beating the deck out of it. And late in the race, um, Tim McCready and Jonathan Davenport got there to, uh, to run for second. And I mean, that's all it was, was a race for second. And it was, uh, McCready and Davenport at the line. It was a heck of a race for second, but Brandon Overton won by 4.7 seconds over those guys. Uh, Jimmy Owens ran fourth and Josh Rice slipped back to fifth there at the end. And it was, uh, it was a fun race to watch. You know, like I said, it was just a bonus to get to see the race because the national dirt Lake model hall of fame to me was the, was the highlight of the day for sure. And, uh, plus walked around the pits a whole lot. It was good to see Terry Phillips there, you know, from Springfield, Missouri. He got in the dirt Lake model hall of fame on Friday. I wasn't there yet for Friday. So, um, shook his hand, told him, thank you for coming and running that race because, you know, we don't really get to see him in this part of the country that often, uh, told him we've got a podcast. We might like to try to get him on at some point, but he he didn't show much interest in it. But you know, we'll try to try to see if we can get him on here at some point anyway. So uh, so that was neat. Like I said, it was just a lot of fun. You know, um, like to thank R One Facility Services again for uh, for supporting us and Andy's Towing, of course, and of course Longhorn Chassis and Bill Stein Shocks. Like, subscribe, follow us on social media, and uh, share everything you see and. Uh, just keep supporting it and keep digging it, man. We're, uh, you know, we're 36 episodes into this deal. I never thought we'd make it this far, but here we are. And we're going to go to the Andy's Towing Hotline next and talk to Kenny Collins and uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. This is Kyle Armstrong. Before we go to our guest on the line today, must see racing 410 sprint cars, Midwest lights, crate engine powered sprint cars, and the Midwest Super Modified Series all take part in the American Speed U.S. Nationals presented by Engine Pro, a special Memorial Day event at the 38th Mile Kalamazoo Speedway. Tune in on MAV TV Thursday, August 19th for Speed Sport Presents. Must see racing from Kalamazoo Part 2. Check your local listings for channel and time. Well, we're joined by Kenny Collins out of Cold Bear, Georgia today on the Andy's Towing Hotline. And uh, Kenny, if you're out there, what's going on today, man? Oh, just getting done at work here. I appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely, man. You know, it was an easy choice for me to get you on here. You know, you uh, we were sitting here last week and you said, well, you, and I was in the studio and you said, man, what have I got to do to be on that podcast? I said, that's all you have to do. You're on it for next week. So uh, here you are. I'm kind of a uh, podcast super fan. I I've been listening to yours all day today. I actually just got done with the Freddie Smith one. It was really good. And uh, listen to the Dale Jr. download a lot, too. It's also really good. Oh, yeah. You can't beat theirs. And, you know, we try to – We can't, I don't think we'll ever be at his level, but we try to do what we can do, you know. I, and I appreciate you listening. You know, we've had a lot of fun doing them, a lot of good guests, and it's it's going to be neat to add your name to the lineup today, Kenny. Well, it's pretty cool. It's uh, I really like the – like with Dale stuff and then like what you did with Freddie there, that preserving the history, you know, and kind of bringing, bringing things into light like that to people that, uh, that don't know much about Freddie Smith, say in 2021, that's the coolest part to me. I really like that. On that one, I, uh, I learned a lot about Freddie Smith and I thought I knew all there was to know, but I didn't never know he was involved in some of that Hollywood stuff and all that. And it was, yeah, it was neat. So that's, that's what it's all about. The best part about that to me was the Jack Hewitt story. I thought that was pretty good. He said, oh, he didn't want none or something like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> got me cracked up. well you got to go back and listen to the Jack Hewitt episode back. I think yeah, I need to. I haven't listened to it yet. That was the reason I asked that because Jack had some choice words. But I'll just let you listen to that. We're here to talk about Kenny Collins today. So, so yeah, man. So, I guess we'll start here. You know, how, how did you really get your start in racing? I know your uh, your whole family has been involved in racing pretty much uh a, lo- a lot longer than you've been alive so tell me a little bit about that 
Yeah, it's kind of a family affair. My uh, my grandpa, my, my dad's side there, he uh, he had a scrapyard over or still does over here in Auburn, Georgia, and uh, he owned race cars and stuff all through the seventies. And then my dad there, when he got old enough to race, he started driving and uh, he raced for Hickey he still races. He drove a race a few weeks ago, Livonia, just here and there now. But uh, he raced for thirty five years or so. Uh, all the time and uh, my uncle Gary uh, he also raced for a long time and just growed up going to the racetrack with him every week uh, Livonia, Tacoa, Hartwell everywhere kind of local to us here and uh, I don't know just I always wanted to do it Got uh, my dad got me a go-kart when I was about six for Christmas and uh, just the way we went from there did that for five or six years and then got into cars and eventually into late mile stuff yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me to imagine sometimes or, or realize, but you've really been racing late models for gosh, probably 10, 15 years by now, hadn't you? I think, uh, yeah, oh six was when we moved up to like limited late models here around Livonia, and uh, of course we, you know, we done a lot of crate stuff and uh, things like that before we ever got into super racing. It just uh, wasn't something we could afford. Um, really can't afford now, but <laughs> we do it anyway. But. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy to me. You know, I'm 30, but I've been racing since 1998, so it almost kind of makes me a veteran, too. But then I'm, I'm really not that old, so I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of weird. A lot of, I guess back in the day, a lot of people didn't start until they were 15 or 16. And, and now, you know, it's really common for uh, for kids to start real young. When I when I was doing it there, I was one of the few that was that young. I know when I moved into, like, four-cylinders and stuff, I was, like, 11, maybe. And... uh most of the people were racing against was 15 or 16, so it's kind of funny how it's progressed. Well, recall some of the uh, the names and some of the memories of racing some of those early years that you that you grew up racing with, and maybe somebody that we've heard of today. One of uh, one of the craziest things um, people I raced against, I can remember racing against them back in go karts. We raced against John West Townley like weekly, right here close to us uh, before you know, the big Zaxby's money and he oh, got yeah. into NASCAR and all that stuff. We raced against that guy like every week. And, uh, my grandpa actually was a glass contractor for Zaxby's and, uh, and we raced against them guys all the time. And, uh, me and I know, you know, Ethan Hunter from down this way, we raced against each other's kids and Travis Pennington and, uh, just a bunch of, bunch of guys like that. And, you know, once, uh, once we got up into cars and, and late models, uh, you know, we, we raced against guys around here that was really good. Like, I still raced against Jack. I got to race against Jack Pennington a pretty good bit, which I thought was cool because he was one of my heroes uh, when I first started there. No you doubt, know, and, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, I got to race against my dad a little bit, which was really cool. Um, not a not a whole lot. Not as much as I'd like to. I don't know if my, my mom enjoyed us racing together as much as I did. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, just uh, like I said, I got into late models about 06, and, and it was – it was a little bit tough to get going. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like our our area here around northeast Georgia gets enough credit for as tough as it is. We have a lot of a lot of pretty good race cars here, and uh, took me a little while to get going. But once I kind of, or well, really took me till getting getting out of high school and starting to pay more attention to the cars and stuff like that, and learning how they work to get where we can win races on a consistent basis. But I don't know, really, the, the super racing is what I always wanted to do. It just took me a long time to get to that point. You know, monetarily, it's pretty tough. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I don't see how y'all, I don't see how y'all guys do it, man. It's a tough sport for sure. But, yeah, you've been, 
Yeah, I don't know. There was a lot there I wanted to ask you. So I, I wanted to go back to the uh, go kart days real quick. What kind? Of, what were some of the race tracks y'all were running at at those times? Mostly, uh, we raced down here, and it's still operational. This checkered flag cartway um, right here in Danielsville, Georgia, and then over there where it's uh, Gresham Motorsports Park now. Well, it's closed. It used to be Peach State. Uh, they had a go kart track, and we raced there a bunch because my dad was still racing then. He pretty much raced on Saturdays, and I'd race on Fridays or whenever he wasn't racing. So I think those two tracks alternated nice. We'd run there most of the time. And then uh, every now and then we'd go to Carnesville, uh, where they have Thanksgiving Thunder, and uh, we raced another couple places for Curry over here. Didn't really get to travel much. Uh, I didn't really get to start doing much of that a little later on, but just uh, it was fun. We used to race these old Jaguar chassis. I don't even think they're around anymore. And uh, a guy named Wayne Deal built my motors. It was it was good times, man. We could go run two or three classes a night, and I think we run the same go kart most of the time, just swap motors or plates, stuff like that. And, uh, I wish it really the traveling stuff wasn't. You know, I got a lot of friends now that come from carts, and it seems like they got to travel a lot more than we did. But this is late nineties, early two thousands. It really wasn't as much of it to do. Right. It seemed like it was more of a weekly uh, a weekly deal then at that time. You know, go karts and. You know, now it's it's pretty big time. You know, they're racing for ten thousand to win about every weekend somewhere. A lot of them cart guys. Oh yeah, like back then, the only thing that really ever was around was like WKA sanctioned stuff, and they would have a race here and there, you know, close to us, and we'd go. But we didn't, uh, you know, and two, it ain't like we had we didn't really have the internet and stuff as easily available to find stuff to go to. It's still <laughs> not. It's still not easy to find what's going on in the go kart community. I don't. Yeah. Think. Yeah, that's I'm a, so far out of the loop on cars. That's, that's, that's a topic for another uh, conversation, <laughs> though, I think. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, so, yeah, so the so the go-kart deal and then, of course, racing late models, uh, how much more different is it preparing your tires? I mean, this was something I was wanting to bring up, but since I think it's a good segue, you know, how much is it, uh, how much difference is it preparing your tires for go-kart racing versus uh, preparing these Hoosier racing tires on a late model these days? Well, it's got to be a lot healthier. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know I, it's it's really a good thing that the chemical part of uh of of racing is deterred or whatever discouraged or whatever you want to call it in the in cars because uh, it's really a i know it, it, it's crazy because with the go-karts it seems to be and i guess it's still the same way like i said i'm not really in the loop anymore but that was like the biggest thing i mean you had a, a good equipment but your tire game was everything uh, that was our it took, we got to where we could win a lot more just by getting involved with people who know how to work on our tires. It's, we didn't know. You know, my dad never prepped no tires. He was a car racer. He never messed mm-hmm. with no go-karts, and, and I was a kid. And we just done what we could do. And, you know, we just think you soak these things and go out there and run, and then these guys that know how to work on them would kill you when the race started. But uh, I'm glad that that didn't something that's worked his way. Or I guess it is there. But, you know, it's so heavily monitored and stuff that it's not really a problem or something we have to deal with. No, not in. Not in. a whole lot rather. No. Groove them and sipe them than coat them. Yeah, it takes you probably, what, 30, 45 minutes to groove and sipe one tire, though? Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's a pretty it's good amount of work. It's a process, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we run that uh, Southern Nationals deal and was gone pretty much for two weeks. And I had about enough of tire grooving that I wanted <laughs> for a little while. Yeah. Well, the go-kart deal, you know, like you're talking about, you you prepare them tires all week, let them roll in the hot box, put a little bit more juice on them, let them roll a little bit more. At least, you know, at least a uh, Hoosier dirt car tire is only 30, 45 minutes, I guess. 
Yeah, it seemed like we, that Wayne Deal guy I mentioned, we got hooked up with him fixing our motors, and uh, he helped us with our carts, too. And he was the one that got us, I remember, you know, as a kid, he was the one that kind of got us on our tire game. Well, me and my dad would go, like, on a Monday or Tuesday night before we were going to race on Friday. We'd take our tires an hour away wherever he lived, and he'd cut them, had a machine to cut them down, cut half the rubber off of them, and then they'd coat them, and then they'd put them in an oven and bake them. It's a lot of work to go race for twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. On a go kart with a with an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. It is. It's it's unreal. And you had to do it. You, you, you had to do it to be competitive. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. You'd have never, you'd have never probably been doing this today had you not been competitive in them and those. So you know we would you know so it all led up to this. So so yeah, you're in a late model, and here recently, you know you've uh, you followed that Ray Cook Seller Nationals Schaefer's Oil Series. Uh, you missed the first race there, and you ran the next one, and. You, I think about the later in that week, you realize, man, I think we might could win this points championship. And I'm telling you, it really did look like you were in contention. You were having some consistent runs, and it looked like you had a good, legitimate shot to win. Then you won at Tri County there. Just kind of tell me a little bit about that tour, going up and down the road, running all those different tracks every night, and and how close you came to winning that championship. Yeah, man, it would. I really never intended on doing the whole thing. I had done it. I tried to do it twice before like 2014 the first year i tried to run super we tried to do it and we went the first week and we were just incredibly unprepared and we didn't have enough motor and we didn't have enough i tore the car up everywhere we went and it was a disaster so we decided not to finish it and uh, i did it all but one race in like 2017 but it was tough it's tough to find help a week and stuff like that you know and uh so I really just kind of rode off ever doing it again, the whole thing. We always try to hit a few because a lot of them are close to us. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, as long as I had a motor or, you know, something I felt competitive to go to, and we've always tried to hit a few. But, yeah, uh, my daughter was at the beach the week, the first week of that. So I was, and we'd been real busy at work. So I was like, well, heck, we'll, we need a break here. We'll take off and, uh, and go run the first week of that deal. And, uh, like I say, I didn't go to, I didn't go to Beckley, and I, I didn't go to Wyeth either, but it wound up getting rained out. Well, we went to we went to Charlotte and raced and didn't do no good, and uh, which it wasn't one of his races. But anyway, we went from there to Bulls Gap, and I was sitting up there at a truck stop at Bulls Gap, and I seen where Anna Parker posted on Facebook that, you know, they were going she was going to do the whole thing, but she was going to have to miss Tri-County, I think, because of something else. But they got a drop race, and I was like, well, that's new. I had never heard of a drop race. I kind of kept that on the back burner, you know, in case we was doing okay. And I think we run an eighth at I-75, had a top five car, uh, just made some mistakes. And then real good at West Georgia, run fifth, run fourth at Screven. And uh, I wasn't going to go to Rome, but when Needmore got rained out, I already was like, well, we'll go on to Rome since we didn't get to race Needmore. And we, we, got, we kept... You know, it was kind of crazy because they, you know, being televised or whatever, they never was announcing us as like, in the points hunt because we missed that race but we knew we got a drop so we were kind of actually ryan delft that does ray's uh website and stuff he was texting me every night what the points were with the drop and kind of keeping us in the loop and after scriven we had we were the leader after with a drop so i was like well heck we gotta you know we were gonna go to track in anyway so i was like well we'll go to rome and track in and then we're still in the hunt we'll do there and run okay at rome and then one track in so i pretty much committed <laughs> yeah. at that point uh that's amazing but, though that he I don't I don't mean to interrupt you but that's amazing though that he was giving you the updates on the points like that you know just telling you because us as fans and 
media and whatever. I, we, ne- we, we never had uh, any update on what the drop would have been on with the points. So we were all confused. We were held, held in the balance, yeah, they, and you, you got to find out that information. They kept telling me not to say anything, uh, which I guess it doesn't matter now. I can say it. But they kept yeah. telling me not to say anything because I, I don't know if they didn't want to confuse people or – Plus, we wasn't like we never really fully committed to it till after Tri County. So, um, I guess to just avoid confusion, they didn't. They tried to kind of keep it quiet. But you know, Ray made it, and we was kind of worried that they would only let you drop a race that you like a bad night sort of deal. Uh, but it turned out that it, I guess it would kind of be pointless to have a drop race if you, you know, because if you miss one, I, it's really a good deal because it's hard for people to. You know, say, like, I missed a race in 2017 when I tried to do it from damage. Like, we didn't have enough parts to race that night. So, that pretty much kept me out of the points hunt because of that. But, I mean, it's something that I feel like is needed for a grueling, you know, hell tour type of deal like that. Um, but, yeah, he was – I know Ryan through – you know, I do a lot of decal work for Ray and stuff. And I, I've dealt with Ryan on websites. So we kind of got a little bit of a relationship, so – he was sort of keeping me in the loop on that, which uh, and I and I did think we had a we had a chance at least for a top three there, and then I just stepped on it at four eleven in Tazewell and didn't have a good night either night. It wasn't from lack of effort, just mostly just to kind of not the kind of places I generally excel at. So got to got to start going to them and getting a little better if we ever want to win that deal. But it was cool, and the, the TV deal was awesome. Like, uh, I mean, that's. I told Ray on the phone the other day, we picked up like four sponsors just from people watching that. Oh, it's huge, man. Yeah, I kept up with a lot of them. Well, Kenny, we're going to take just a quick break here, and we'll be back on the other side. You're listening to the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. This is Kyle Armstrong. Before we get back to our guest, join former NASCAR Xfinity and Cup Series driver Mike Wallace weekly as he sits down with the legends of our sport from Kenny Wallace to Tony Stewart as they describe how they got started in motorsports. It's Fast Car to NASCAR, and the latest episode is available now on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. We're joined by Kenny Collins today on the Andy's Towing Hotline. And, uh, Kenny, we were talking before the break there about your Slayer Nationals uh, series tour this year and uh, about the importance of streaming racing and how you picked up some sponsors and uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Well, I mean, just from uh, first off, like we, we wound up winning there at Tri-County and it was on a Tuesday. As far as I know, didn't have any competition as far as other races for people to watch. So that was uh, as big as winning the race was for me, the, the people being able to see it was just as big. You can't imagine how many texts. And there may have been 10,000 people or something watching it if you get down to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was just an incredible thing for, for me personally and my career and my family. But uh, I was just enamored by the amount of people that once they saw that we kind of had a chance that deal wanted to help. I mean, I had, uh, I had people just send me random amounts of money on Venmo to help us go up and down the road. And uh, I picked up. I picked up a sponsor. One guy, we went to another racetrack and race last weekend. And he come up to me at the driver's meeting, and I had I had spoke with him on Facebook a little bit, you know. Uh, but he come up, handed me an envelope, and told me he wanted his name on my car, and had the water money in it. So we just and we picked up a couple of others. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna say we picked up seven or eight thousand dollars in sponsorship just from them races being where people could see them. Uh, That's huge. Which is just incredible there for us. I mean, we're we're small, you know. I've got. 
I've got a couple people that, that help me a, a pretty pretty good bit. I mean, it's hard to do the super stuff on your own uh, just from the sheer cost of the cars and the motors. Uh, but but you know any any little bit helps and. I just I was I was just enamored at the amount of people who was who was keeping up with us. It was really really a cool thing. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm a yeah. You can tell that you really appreciate any uh, anything you can get to go toward that racing program because every every penny helps. You know. Well, you know it's it's uh it's tough. I mean, super racing. There's everybody's so good. I mean, you can go to a race in the Carolinas might be sixteen or seventeen cars. I mean, you got twelve or thirteen of them guys that have a legitimate chance to win the race. No doubt, and you know, and then you you got uh, you racing against so much experience and and a lot of money. I mean, and it's it's just the truth about all forms of racing. It's money driven, and uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times people don't get the opportunities they deserve based on their ability because of money. Sad deal, but it's, it's life, it's reality. So um, we've worked hard and done it mostly on our own. I've proved for a couple of people uh, as far as super racing. You know, but for the most part, seven or eight years been trying to do it on our own, and it's uh, it'll really put you in debt if you don't watch it. Yeah, it will. Well, you're talking about working hard. You've got your uh, your your company that you started, uh, Colin Signs, and you. I mean, you do more than letter race cars, but you've probably lettered probably uh, fifty to sixty percent of the race cars in North Georgia, South Carolina region, and uh, I mean, you do some good looking stuff. Uh, tell us how you got started in that business and, and when that was. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, when I was in uh, when I was in high school, actually, the, the first late car I had, a local guy here, uh, Chan Chitwood, he he wrapped it for me, and uh, I went over to pick it up, and I just hit him up about some part time work. I think I might have been in the ninth grade. Anyway, all his kids went to school with me, so it was easy where he could pick me up from school, and I'd go over in the afternoons and do stuff. And uh, my, I I think he. Uh, he cut a car out for me. I said wrap. I this is before we did any wrap stuff. Uh, still just stickering them then. He cut a car out for me. Uh, and I, I went home and stuck my own car for the first time. And my dad was down there and he's like, son, you're pretty good at that. Like, you know, you know, been trying to learn. I like it. And uh, he kind of talked me into to getting a little plotter and stuff just to play with to do our cars. And, uh, and wound up getting one and, I done mine, and then I done a couple for some friends, and I enjoyed doing it. And heck, you know, I was good like nothing to do but go to school and race. So started doing that a little bit on the side, and it just sort of snowballed. I was actually going to go to going to go to school to be an electrician because I had done a bunch of stuff with FFA on electrical wiring in high school. And uh, by the time I went to college here at Athens Tech, it, uh, my business was I was having to work on or. I was pretty much put in school off so I could work, so I just went ahead and dropped out of that and went full time doing this. But it's been it's been really good to me. I can't complain a bit. It's uh it's a little stressful sometimes, but but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. It seems like it's been a pretty successful endeavor for sure. Yeah, I think we we started out mostly doing race cars for the first probably seven years, and, and the truth of the matter is, just ain't a ton of money in. Heaven. Uh, record race cars you know it's it's fun it's, it's kind of my, my vision for it i draw about four today but uh you know the commercial side of it we've got into that the last five or six years and really really growed uh my mom she retired from here to come to work for me kind of kind of running the day-to-day of things so we can concentrate on getting the work done and that's really made a, a big difference for us too and uh, just 
kind of kind of take pride in it. You know, I'm I'm proud of what we've been able to do here. Well, Kenny, you'll letter anything from race cars to beer trucks, but uh, I, I want to know how many race cars do you think you've lettered over the years? I don't know. You know, I used to try to keep up with it uh, every year, but it got to be so much. I just quit doing that. And, uh, about last year, I done that about four or five years ago. It was about three thirty. Uh, that was for one year. So I'm sure we still do around three hundred or so. It's probably a little less than it used to be because we we do so much more commercial work now. But um but still a lot <laughs> sometimes they all run together and it gets tough to come up with new ideas but uh but like i said that's that was my passion for getting into that business so still enjoy doing that yeah, speaking of coming up with new ideas and stuff that's always something that's intrigued me you know uh i mean you have you do that many different cars and you try to be creative and do something different each time you do one with color combinations and fonts and logo placement and all that stuff it's got to i mean how do you how do you manage how do you manage to pull that off and make everything look so creative every time i'm i'm not gonna lie it gets hard sometimes especially one thing that happens is is like a, a, a like a national touring guy or something will come out with a car at the beginning of the year that it'll be really awesome you know and people will watch speed weeks or something like that to see it and they'll be like oh i want my car kind of like that and then when we get work on monday you got 10 people that sent you Hey, I want to do this, and they all send your pictures the same car. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm like, well, I, and first off, I don't want to copy anybody's work, so I got to try to take that idea and make it my own. And then at the same time, I got five other people that want the same thing, and I got to try to make it look different from all them other people. But usually, people's numbers and sponsors and stuff are different enough, and and the cars themselves look different enough as far as different classes that kind of pull it off. But it it does get difficult sometimes. Oh, I'm sure. Um, well, is there any like rivalries in that graphics business or, I mean, is there enough work to go around? You know, you got big A and like dirt wrap and top notch with Brian green down there. And a lot of people are doing it and, uh, every, every one of them is successful, but is there really any rivalries? Does anybody try to be the best of the best or just take what you get and all that? For the most part, um, we all get along pretty good. Big A and Brian and Adam all and, uh, Dalton Cook, a bunch of us that do it, uh, and we, we talk every day in there, and it's really been good for us because we'll share logos and things like that. About the only thing that gets people honorary for me is, uh, you know, I don't really like people coming in and cutting my prices or undercutting me, which I guess it's true in any business, but uh, that's about the only thing. For the most part, most of us get along good, you know. Uh, there's there's plenty of race cars to go around, so um Usually you don't have to work. And then there is customers that make it difficult sometimes because some people, for whatever reason, just won't stay one place and they bounce back between us and they get to some point where none of us want to do work for, for a particular customer because of how they act, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for the most part, we all get along pretty good. Yeah, and speaking of Snapchat there, you and Brian Green are about the best people I follow on Snapchat, man. Y'all y'all post some funny stuff. Yeah, I'll try to. Uh, I'll calm my mind down a little bit, so I might have been getting a little bit. I don't know if I want to be no kind of personality like uh, <laughs> like that. But uh, sometimes I used to get on there and, and say some pretty funny stuff. But we have a good time with it. I don't know. I think it's got me in. Tr- I think my mouth's got me in trouble a time or two in my life. Uh, that or on Facebook stuff like that. So I try to. Uh, I actually had a guy tell me at Scriven that I needed to stop posting stuff on Facebook, but. Uh, I've had I've people to, tell me that. So <laughs> I've tried to uh, I've tried to calm down some of my stuff, but 
sometimes let uh, let my personality get the better of me, I guess. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you used to put some good ones on there. I can remember some of your traffic jam rants and all this stuff. I mean, I I laughed. I even told some people, I said, you got to follow Kenny. He said, who's Kenny? I said, you'll see. <laughs> and they, yeah, well, you know, and so, I enjoy doing stuff like yeah. that, and people seem to enjoy it. But it seems like to me, you know, I don't know if it's just our society or what, but it's almost like people have gotten so soft that you can't put anything without offending people. People take stuff and, so seriously, don't they? Oh, man, and then you got to tiptoe around all that, and I hate doing that. But I just really not put up with the drama. I know. That's kind of the way I've kind of been. I just kind of keep my mouth shut on a lot of things, but uh, it is what it is. Well, Kenny, we, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, you're racing there and you had a pretty decent little summer stretch there, but what's next for Kenny Collins coming up here in the near future? Uh, well, we're, we're right, right now I'm waiting on my motor. Uh, you know, Clements is finishing up my second motor. We lapped the motor out there uh, on Ray's deal and, um, I think we're. I hope we have it back. I'm wanting to run uh, World Outlaws. It's going to be at Livonia, uh, which is my home track. Uh, they're going to be there. I think September third. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going. We're going to do our best to run that deal, and uh, and we'll just hit and hit and miss stuff here through the southeast. I thought kind of. I thought kind of about running Ray's fall deal because it's only seven or eight races, and uh, it's not quite as grueling as. Um, it's not quite as grueling as, as his two-week deal. So, you know, I, I kind of like doing the point stuff here and there, especially them short little series because you get a little money back for all the money you put invest in it for fuel and tires and all. And, uh, we might do some of that. We'll probably just hit and miss. And, you know, I drive this uh, this limited steelhead 525, whatever kind of class car you want to call it for a buddy of mine, Dwayne Frady, and we've been running it the last couple of weeks. and. It's a great ride. I can get in it, and he's always got it fast and tuned up for me. And uh, we we competitive everywhere we go, so we're gonna do that in the meantime. You picked up a win this weekend at Winder Barrow, didn't you? And ran second Friday at Livonia, so you had a pretty good little weekend there in North Georgia. Yeah, that thing's been real good. We've uh, we didn't race it for about a month while I was super racing, and uh, like I said, he he Dwayne he really gives me a good race car there. He he keeps it in tip top shape and keeps new tires on it. And, Give me everything I need to win, and uh, we went to, uh, we, like I said, we didn't race for about a month, and then that Wartburg, uh, Tennessee, they had a 10,000 win limited deal. We went up there and set fast time, won the dash, led about the first 20 laps, and uh, some lap cars got bunched up and crashed in front of us, and I got some damage and couldn't continue, and uh, then we went to Harris last week. They had a 2,000, and uh, won there, first race I ever won there. That was pretty cool. That's a cool place. Yeah, it's a neat track. And uh, I enjoy racing that deal. You know, it's, I'm not a, as far as driving them, I'm not a big fan of crate racing. I just don't find it that much fun. Uh, so the limited stuff suits me pretty well. You got a little motor you can work with, and the racing's pretty good. Uh, I like doing that stuff. Like I said, we've had a pretty good relationship there for about the last three years, and I uh, hope to continue that because it's fun to go out and run them deals. Absolutely. I got another one more question here. I kind of wanted to ask you, it may turn into a longer answer, but, uh, you know, you, uh, you checked off one off the bucket list there a few years ago and it almost went South, you know, whenever you went to the dream there at Eldora and you had that, uh, fire that happened there on your trailer and stuff. And, uh, man, that was a crazy deal there. I guess, tell me a little bit about what you remember about that weekend, including the fire deal. It was. You was talking about Brian Green earlier. I wish I had him on here with us. Uh, he'd probably be a pretty interesting guest for your yeah. podcast, by the way. Actually, uh, I got that in mind here at some point coming he's, up. He's an awesome guy. We'll have, we'll have to get the beat button ready for him. So. 
Well, I'm, I'm trying to be a, be a professional there, so you, you don't need it from me because I'm pretty bad myself. But, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was with us that weekend, actually. No, uh, I always wanted to go to Eldora. Uh, that was the first year there, 2017, where I had I had acquired a second car and I had two motors. So we kind of like, I don't know what you want to call it, we had to bet the best, the most equipment we'd ever had. And I felt like, you know, the time was right to maybe go up there and try to try to make a show or, or whatnot. But uh, went up there. The uh, the weekend went pretty easy. We didn't really have any problems. We wasn't fast. Uh, just my inexperience and stuff. We didn't make a show. But we learned a lot, you know. And we actually, in the, the B-Main Saturday night, we, I think we went forward more than anybody. You know, obviously, we still didn't get to a transfer spot. But I think I passed like 12 cars. So, uh so we did, you know, it was kind of a silver lining to, to our bad weekend. But then on the way home, uh, probably my fault, um, you know, lack of time, lack of maintenance, whatever you want to call it. We, uh, we that thing, it was an SNS trailer, uh, wasn't a lift gate, but it had the, like a lift inside it, and had them oil filled hubs, and we had let uh, one of the one of the hubs get low on oil, and I guess the bearing just got hot and went out. And uh, my buddy, uh, Chris Wilbanks, he was driving. Him and my mom were in the front, and actually me and my dad and Brian, we were all in the back asleep. It's about, we just had got into Tennessee on I-75, and uh, I just, I woke up because we was pulling over. And uh, Chris come running back through there, and he's like, I think we got a flat tire or something. There's a lady cut in front of me, he's flagging me down. I was like, Okay. I'm putting my clothes on and whatnot, and then he comes running back. I see him run by the window back there by where the bunk was, and he opened the door and said, Burning, the trailer's on fire. And I, then we jump out and run back there, and by this time, like, all four tires were on fire on the right side of the trailer. So, and we had we had, we had had people, actually, that kind of made me mad on, on Facebook and stuff when people started sharing it. So, well, that's what you get for not being prepared, not having fire extinguishers and all that. We had plenty of fire extinguishers. We had, like, four. And you ain't gonna put a tire fire out. No, no, you're not. And uh, you know, we tried, but we seen real quick that that was that was a moot point. Somebody had called nine one one, so that there was there was fire trucks en route, but we had to get our cars out mainly. And because uh, I had a brand new Longhorn in the top that had like two races on it, and all I could just see was that thing burning up on the side of the road. I think Kyle Burke or somebody had had that happen. It either happened right before that or right after that, but it was kind of fresh on my mind about fire. And uh, we managed to get pretty much everything out, you know. Uh, kind of a couple of funny stories. They're not funny in the moment, but uh, I know Brian, we had got the cars out, and we were throwing we were throwing tires out on the side of the interstate, shots. And just I don't want to lose nothing, you know. It all means something to me. I and I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, if we get the stuff out, you know, we got insurance; it'll pay for the trailer, which in the end turned out being bullshit. But, uh, but anyway, um, so Brian jumps on my four wheeler. Like I said, this thing had a lift inside it. Well, there's winch cables running everywhere, and where we've unloaded this stuff in haste, and he jumps on the four wheeler and puts it in reverse and smashes it wide open. Well, the winch cable gets hung in the tread of the tire on the right rear of the four wheeler. Turns the four-wheeler over in this burning truck. <laughs> While this thing's engulfed. Throws Brian off of it. And we're like laying down on the floor with it a thousand degrees trying to unwind this winch cable and get, we get that out. Well, in the same time, my dad and Chris, they're trying to unhook the truck. Well, it had like a miniature fifth-wheel deal. 
and I don't think either one of them had ever actually used it, so they didn't know how to get the pin loose. Well, while we're trying to get the four-wheeler unhung, they, like, jerk us 20 foot down the road trying to unhook the truck. We're dragging the back door, still burning. It was it was epic. Wow. I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It left a mess. And, uh, and we actually had a couple of guys drive right by us, racers drive right by us while we was burning. They didn't slow down. Uh, was a little bit frustrating that's to what, me but that's what makes it bad <clears throat> every time yeah, i go through I, that part of i-75 i I think about that situation because i know right where it was it was right under that big cross right yeah, there around a, dangerage tennessee yeah same exit you get off to go to like uh lake cumberland speedway or go to up there to where the martyrs live yeah right there and uh but anyway jason welshin he uh him and his folks they got up out of the bed it's like six o'clock in the morning they come up there and me and him worked on that trailer to get it where we could move it because uh, I couldn't afford a towing bill, just being honestly. And uh, we got it where we could move. Worked all day. We were black and dirty. Had to sit all over us. And he brought two trailers and hauled my cars and all my stuff. And we went back to his shop and kind of regrouped. And my, my uncle Gary and my cousin Drew, they come up and got a car. And then uh, Mark Wilbanks and uh, Hoy Stevens, they come up and got my other car and just took a team effort to get us home. Well, then I took the, I was like, well, you know, Wildside Trailers is down here in Georgia about, hour and a half from me mm-hmm. and i got a buddy that works there and i called them and i'm like well heck i'll just drop the trailer off over there and i let them fix it hell we got full coverage it'll pay for all of it they give me a quote it was gonna cost like 15 grand or something to fix it and i was like okay i'll turn that into my insurance turns out my insurance refused to pay for it because they said it was preventable they they wound up i think we wound up getting like 1500 dollars in insurance because the truck was insured in my name and the trailer was insured in my mom's name or vice versa or something like that it, it, on paper it looked like we loaned it to somebody Man. so so they gave me 1500 dollars for all that damage <laughs> i fixed everything myself my buddy courtney watkins he put the uh, airlines and the brakes and stuff back together and fixed that uh, i had a guy come up and fix the axle and then we put i put the side and all back on it myself <laughs> but, uh, it, it was definitely uh, something I won't never forget a detail of. It, it was, it was a bad day. I was so happy. I've never been so happy to see my house when I got home that day. I guarantee it. And you're still using that same trailer, huh? No, I actually sold it. Uh, some okay. guys uh, run four cylinder out of it now, but yeah, I kept it for another another maybe two years. It was, it was, it was a good truck. Trailer it wasn't nothing to do with the the trailer itself. Just like I said, probably my fault. Lack of lack of maintenance. I reckon for what sure. you want to call it. But, uh, man, that's part of it, too. Well, I'm glad you told that story here on the show. I never had heard it all in full detail. I just knew about it, knew it happened, and I felt bad about it happening. And, uh, man, if we'd have been going down the road, we'd have stopped and helped you because we, uh, we, that was one year we just didn't go make the trip to Eldora. So, yeah, that would have been, uh, we'd have stopped for sure. So, well, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, and they would, I'll go ahead. <laughs> and there you go ahead. What would you got? Well, I was going to say a bunch of people stopped, you know, uh, once they, you know, we had people in passenger cars and stuff stopping once they realized it was a racer. But I swear to you, they, as soon as we pulled over and got out there and realized we was in trouble, they was like two or three S&S haulers go right by us wide open. Nobody ever sent a text, called, pulled over, nothing. I don't know who they were, but I, I, I'd stop and help any racer. I'd stop <laughs> and help anybody that was in trouble like that. I definitely would stop and help a fellow racer. I definitely would too, especially when I seen it was uh, two late models sitting there on the side of the road. You know, it's so, just common courtesy. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, uh, we're just about out of time. Well, we are out of time, really. We, uh, but I, I want to give you an opportunity to thank all your sponsors and those who keep you uh, keep you trucking and going down the road and racing and in, uh, in the late models and uh, 
Uh, yeah, go ahead and give you shout outs to your sponsors. I wrote them all down. It might take me a second here because there's a lot more than I anticipated there was. Um, first off, I need to thank uh, my mom and dad. You know, they've sacrificed more than I could ever describe to you, you know, for me to be able to race for 20, however many years it's been. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cost us all a lot of money and time. And just thankful they believe in me and, and put that on me. And uh, my grandparents, same way. Um, but sponsor wise, uh, our biggest guy is Coltman Farms, Brett Coltman. He helps a lot. He just helped us uh, get our motor fresh into Clements and uh, really, really helps us uh, keep going. Scott Ray Excavating, uh, that was our new guy. Come on at Wartburg. Uh, All K Electric, Southeast Miscellaneous Erectors, Vincent Sims Construction, Hazel Trailer Sales, uh, Blake Rainwater and Associates, uh, RC Performance Racing Transmissions. That's my dad's business. Uh, if anybody needs a racing transmission rebuilt. Uh, Schaefer's Oil by Keith Brady, Peach State Auto Recycling, Watkins Automotive, um, Adkins Automotive, uh, and Clements. That's uh, kind of our combo, how we get our engines freshened up. Uh, Glenn's real good to me down there. Kettle Construction, Southern River Transport, Purdue Paint and Body. Uh, big shout out here to Wesley Page with WP Racing Shops and Bill Stein. Uh, that, that surely picked our program up for the Southern National Route for the last couple of years. But Freeman Plumbing, Knowles Race Parts, Collins Auto Salvage, Dockery Transportation, Dirt Car Lift, Schoenfeld, Fast Shafts, Excess Power Batteries, Velocity Driving Suits, Roberts Weldon, uh, Longhorn Chassis, CTC Innovations, FK Rod Ends, Kenny Harris Graydon, and Hoosier Tire by Brian Keith. <laughs> couldn't do it without them all man I, Kenny it was a great conversation today with you here on the show uh, may have to do it again sometime because I'm sure there's there's more stories to go around for sure oh yeah I like talking so I'm, I'm always open to it absolutely well this has been another episode of the forward bike podcast in the books this week uh, I'm Kyle Armstrong we'll see you next week